On today's episode, I sit down with recent college grad Parker West. Parker shares his unique story of how he hustled his way into working as a concert photographer for the Chainsmokers. Hope you enjoy! And now, hosted by Harry G, this is your one-stop shop for hot talk straight from the top. Whether you're trying to build a job in pop, rock, or any other artsy schlock, here's your top dog with info that can't be bought, it's gotta be sought. So sit back, crack a six-pack, cause we're about to chit-chat and rip facts. It's the First Act Podcast. So I'm supposed to be a week deep into tour right now, and that's not happening, which is the biggest bummer ever. That would have been like my first full tour. Yeah, with who? Um, with Young Gravy and Dylan Francis. Yeah, that would have been a lot of fun. Well, so are you at least being like paid throughout? Or like, I, I know that some some camps have <clears> been <throat> open to like paying their, their touring team, and like their live team. Um, whereas others just, they don't have budget. I'm just, you know. No, the, the tour's just been rescheduled to November. Yeah. Um, but I still have a day job. Like, like, I still work from home, but I still have a job that's, like, totally separate from music because, like, everything with, uh, everything with music is still kind of a side hustle. I'm just, like, at the point where, like, it's any minute now or, like, any day now it's going to break. And that's how it was when I was in New York. But now that, like, everything, like, the whole music industry has just been put on, like, pause for the next however many months so that's it right i know that's that's the worst part is that like i was so close like i was it was just about to happen and now like who knows when it's gonna happen like i was i was right there and it was just like uh no you gotta wait a little longer which is like i'm kind of cool with that like my my uh my bio like across all my social media platforms is just the word patience I'm like a strong believer and like that's like the one like that's the most important quality if you're gonna like make it doing something that you really want to do like something like if you're carving out your own path because it takes forever and it feels it, like it's so discouraging like sometimes i get so discouraged and i'm just like ah just gotta wait like two years ago things weren't anywhere near as cool as they are now right absolutely and and you know patience is really key especially you know for for, for young people right like you know this is weird for me to say because i still do consider myself to be pretty young but like you're yeah. you're, you're about five years younger than me and you know, you're like fresh out of college, essentially, right? You, you, yeah, I just graduated three months ago. Three months, three months ago. ago. Wow. Yeah. I admire that, like, you understand that, like, you know, you can't just go full throttle into music. I think that your approach is smart, where it's like you're working in music and then you have like a real job on the side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As if music's not a real job. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like this, like, sort of like La La Land sort of fun Mm-hmm. Well, it's money. even even like my real job is like uh, it's still not considered a real job to a lot of people because I'm just a social media manager. Like I, I got a real job. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, well, it's hard to convince my parents of that for a little while. But uh, because, you know, what they mostly see is just me sitting here at my desk all day. On your not computer. really. Yeah. Yeah. And that was and like I also like played a lot of video games growing up. And that was like an issue with me in like middle school. Like playing too many video games and like messing around on my computer instead of doing homework. So now they see me just like still on the computer. So uh, which, which games did you play growing up? Like what were some of your favorites? Oh man, I was like, I, I was I, really I, big on like yeah. Call of Duty. That was really like, at least in like middle school, like that was like, I was like almost deadly loyal to Call of Duty. But Maybe I... Like COD 4, Modern Warfare or... I, it started with Modern Warfare too, but then I started going back and playing the older ones and COD okay. 4 was like definitely my favorite and I was like so excited whenever they like remastered it and then it got so boring so quickly oh well there, I, there was like a pit, four year period of my life where like 
Call of Duty Zombies was the most important thing in my life <laughs> because like I don't I was just so it was like so simple and it was one of like the few things I could like actually say that I was above average at in like my whole life so yeah. like that was that was just like therapy essentially and what would you say your KD ratio has been like over the years <laughs> I don't know I was never that great at that the multiplayer my KD was always like hovering just around a one and while my friends would have like a 3.5 or something like I have a friend who lives just like five minutes away from me who is just his entire life been amazing at video games it doesn't matter what video game it is he's just like naturally gifted I was never like that I just did it because it was more enjoyable like I said zombies was the only thing I was ever above average at I was always above average at playing Super Smash Brothers on N64. Like, that was, like, my mm. bread and butter. You know, I, I used to do tournaments here in, in Quebec. And, like, I, and when <laughs> I moved That's to sick. Europe, they were always so mm -hmm. much fun. And, like, some of these guys were, like, you know, they'd give me, like, a run for my money. Or I would, mm. like, find people on Craigslist that were, like, hosting tournaments. And mm -hmm. I would, like, go to their house with a friend. You know, I wouldn't go alone. Yeah. That, okay, but, that's smart. Still, that's crazy. People have like, tournaments in their house? Oh yeah, 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 like like a couple like engineering students that like turn their they turn their like apartment into like a smash pad, like not. Oh my like, gosh! They had like all the TVs set up, and like I remember going to one of these places, and it was just like we'd sit on like a bunch of like mattresses. <laughs> this and, sounds like a very college thing. Yeah, and like huddled around like a few TVs, like and I remember there was just like one girl there who was just like, "Guys, how much longer are you gonna be playing this for?" It was like some some guy's girlfriend. Well, I mean, I guess that shows, like, how much, like, that kind of thing, like, esports has changed because, like, I, whenever I was just in college, like, even last semester, I'd get emails trying to, like, get me to join the esports club. And now it's, like, an actual, like, real sanctioned thing that they're not doing in college kids' basements, you know? You know, um, and, and it's funny that you say that because I think that a lot of parents would discourage their kids if, like, no matter how good they were at video games, like, you, but, but it was still just, like, you know, you're not good at math, so you know, you need to stop playing video games or I'm going to take away your PS4. Or I'm going to take away your Xbox. And, you know, that happened a lot. Those grades, those grades up. Yeah. My parents took away my Xbox all the time. Like there were, I was grounded on multiple instances and, uh, cause I was always a terrible student, but like the thing is, even whenever I was like making, even whenever I was playing call of duty and I was still trying to like do what I'm kind of doing now with music. Like I would, I tried to become like a, like a, a call of duty YouTuber back in the day. And I was like, I have actually, I'm pretty sure it's still somewhere here on my desk. Yeah. I've got this little thing that I used to use to record my gameplay and like make YouTube videos. And uh, I just found this the other day because I've just been digging through my closet now that I'm quarantined. Just a little but, uh, to bring it up on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that's funny that it's just sitting there. But yeah, like I was, I would always just try and do like something creative because I knew that there were people that did that. There were people that like made YouTube videos for a job and back then it was not anywhere near as serious as it is now like now like youtubers and like streamers like that's like a full career and then back then that was something that people could just like barely make a living doing one um, of the guys i grew up with is like he, like he's he's made like seven figures from youtube that's crazy which is really wild like he's like 27 28 and he started probably a little younger than you are now so like 2021 20, probably 2009 2010 I think and, I was too young whenever I started doing that stuff. It sounds like he, like, 22, 23 is, like, when you, like, have a better idea of how things work and you can actually, like, be more creative. Because I was just, like, a high school kid with a 
a high pitched voice screaming into the like, mic and like yeah yeah not necessarily but like I was just annoying to listen to like I found some of my old videos the other day and I was like oh my gosh like no wonder this never works for me but I I totally think I could do something like that now just because of I'm just because I'm more like grown up. Parker, thank you so much for being here to chat on the First Act podcast. It's really a pleasure to have a chance to sit down with you, get some good content out there. I know that mm-hmm. if... Yeah, no problem. I, I tweeted about this like last week and I had like a bunch of people that were like, this sounds sick. Like send me this whenever it's out. Like this is like, the exact kind of thing that I want to listen to. Uh, Parker, why don't you go ahead and tell everyone a little bit about yourself? So I'm a 22-year-old, about to turn 23 music photographer out of a small farm town called Greenfield, Indiana. Just graduated college about three months ago, got into photography about three years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, since, since I started all while I was in college, I've worked with a bunch of different artists like Christian French, Chelsea Cutler, the Chainsmokers, Matoma, lots, lots of different acts ranging from small up-and-comers to, to some of the biggest names in music. Yeah, that's, that's the brief synopsis of me, <laughs> pretty much. So why don't we take it back a second. As a teen, you were focused into gaming and you were always sort of into social media. And now you work partially as a social media manager and you're mm-hmm. also you're a concert photographer who goes occasionally on tour with different artists, right? Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So um, in high school, were you a concert goer? Did you sneak into any clubs? Like, were you that kind of kid or were you always like a clean cut, good kid? Oh, well, I was kind of like a mix. I never really like, I wasn't necessarily a cool kid. I was like kind of just like in the middle. And I went to a small school, like the elementary, middle school and high school were all one building. So like everyone knew each other. So if you had um, one more friend, you'd be considered popular. But if you didn't have that friend, then you weren't popular. Yeah, essentially, like I knew the popular kids and like we could like talk and hang out, but I, they weren't really, like I didn't hang out with them yeah. very Like I ran cross country. And like, so I didn't really get along with all the the football players who told me that what I did wasn't a sport. It was a mix. I was like weird because I was just super into gaming and I was always into music that like nobody else listened to. I used to get made fun of a lot for listening to guys like Hoodie Allen and Macklemore. I I feel like I grew up on Hoodie Allen and Macklemore throughout high school. And yeah, it was all in like EDM, like it took, like I was on the EDM early back when like Skrillex was really, I mean, I, I guess that's not too early but like back before it was like mainstream here like when when Skrillex was releasing scary monsters and nice sprites and it was pretty much just Skrillex and Dead Mouse and Avicii doing it back then that was the first Skrillex song that I had actually ever heard yeah same like when when the girl screams in that song before the breakdown or before before he drops the beat mm-hmm. do you know what that sampled from yeah it's from a YouTube video of some girl like stacking cups <laughs> yeah that was like one of the, the songs that introduced me into into dance music that and like Avicii's levels and raise your weapon by dead mouse. Just a lot of things that like that. I, I feel like I was ahead of my time. I've always felt like an old soul. I've always felt like I was ahead of everyone else my age. So like then that music started getting popular and people started listening to more dance music. I was like, Oh, you guys used to make fun of me for listening to this kind of stuff. Right. And now and like then, everyone then listens to it. Like this like electro hipster trendsetter. Yeah. I mean, now, and now there's a lot of people, like, it's funny, there's a lot of people from my high school who, like, I wasn't necessarily friends with. They would, like, I wasn't necessarily, like, bullied, but, like, I was made fun of a bit because I was just very outgoing. Like, I put myself out there a lot, especially with, like, all the Call of Duty YouTube videos I was making and, like, all of the music. And I was just, dude, I could not get off Twitter when I was in high school. I was just always tweeting, like, the dumbest stuff. 
that probably that probably annoyed a lot of people. I wasn't necessarily like a popular. I was I would say I was right in the middle of my ninety person class. No, this is really cool. I'm getting a good picture of what Parker West was like. <laughs> One time, like whenever I said like people caught on to what I was into late. Like there was, I remember walking around the gym one time and from the weight room upstairs, I could hear them playing the Skrillex remix of Levels by Avicii. And I was like, now they're like lifting weights to my music. Why am I still being like made fun of for being so diehard? And I think I was always made fun of because I was like diehard about everything. Like I have, yeah, I have an obsessive, like passionate personality and it like bleeds into everything that I do. So like whenever I was in high school, like whenever I was running cross country, like that was my like that was my thing. Like I wanted to be like, I wanted, I wanted to run professionally eventually. And so like I, I ran for like a year in college and then I grew up <laughs> a year in college. I was like, I don't need to do this anymore. What I got from that is that you were obsessively passionate. So like no matter yeah. what you put your mind to, you got like really, really, really into it. So let's say you were like a serial killer. You'd be like the best serial killer out there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know uh, if I would use that kind of, <laughs> that kind of comparison, but that's the gist of it. Yeah. No, we're just having fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, you know, you're, you're, you go through high school, you're like this, like, semi-popular, athletic, but also really into gaming, not particularly too good at school, just yeah. kind of like making your way through it. Like, you know, most of us kind of fumbled through. Uh-huh. So now, then you graduated. And did you stay in Indiana? Or did you go out? Yeah, yeah, I did. I, uh, <clears throat> I went to this school that was just like an hour, literally just an hour down the same road that I lived on, like no turns, no anything. You just drive an hour down the road right in front of our house. And I was there. Um, it was a small school called IU East. So like everyone knows IU in the, in like the, the main campuses in Bloomington. But what, if you don't, if you're not in Indiana, then you probably don't know. There's like, it's got eight different campuses. So there's like IU Bloomington, which is like the main campus. And there's IU East, IU South. So there's like a lot of different ones. So I went to one of those like sub division uh, IU schools. I, I was just about an hour away from home and I, I ran cross country like that first fall, like my first semester in college, like, and I was still, you know, all about it. And then a lot of different things started happening. Like I got the job that I have now. And I also like got into a relationship at that point. And I was also like a college freshman, like I just entered college and that's like a life changing experience enough in itself and uh and you were living so, like, out, out of your parents house right you were living on no I, I i i lived on like so the campus was just literally just like four or five buildings all right next to each other and they didn't have on-campus housing but it was an hour drive every day that i didn't really want to do and also i was a freshman in college like i don't want to live at my parents house so i i had an apartment with um with one of my friends who went to high school with me after that first semester after the cross-country season I started like getting more and more busy, like with the job, with the girlfriend and the social life. And I had to like start weeding out my responsibilities. And I realized I wasn't like as passionate about running as I used to be anymore. Well, I was still passionate about running, just not actually doing it because like the job that I had, I was essentially just like a, like a staff writer for like a track and field news website. Okay. So like I would go to like different meets in Indiana and I would like interview the athletes and like write a recap article. And then that kind of grew into me like taking over the website, social media accounts. And whenever, like I said, I have an obsessive, passionate personality. So I went all in on that. Like I cut running and I pretty much just left life to like, like just three things. There was like school, which was like on the bottom. Like I still didn't really care about school, but I had to do it. 
and and then With I had paper. You needed it. Yeah, yeah. And then I had my job, which I was super into, and my girlfriend. There was really like the only things going on in my life. So like two months into our freshman year, my my roommate dropped out. So I had our apartment still leased for the rest of the school year. So like another seven months by myself. But he wasn't going to stiff you for the money, right? He was... No, he, he still paid rent and he still helped pay like some... He didn't pay, help pay all the bills because that wasn't necessarily like... Right, right. Like you I mean, it's, it's hard to determine what's fair because we signed the lease to stay there for the whole year and then he yeah. just left. So I was on my own for like seven months. And the thing that didn't really help about the girlfriend part was that she lived four hours away in Illinois. So I was in a long distance relationship. So... After my roommate moved out, I kind of just stayed home. Like I would only go to class and come back and just like talk to my girlfriend on FaceTime, visit her whenever I could. And I was so into that, like literally not even three months into us dating, I, um, I decided that I was going to move all of my classes online uh, and then move home so I could save money to move out to live with her. But she, I was a college freshman. She was a high school senior. So she was a year below me. She graduated and she went to a school in Colorado Springs. I moved on my <laughs> I moved on my classes online uh, oh, so I could save heart. up enough money. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, for real. Like, uh, like when I look back on it, I'm just like, I can't believe like I did that. And there, were, like, all of my friends and family were super supportive of it too. Like, nobody was like, "Yo, dude, like, you don't think this is a bad idea, do you?" Uh, so I would just I just went full steam ahead. I ended up saving like a decent amount of money. I had like. $4,000 just over like the first summer of living at home. And then like a month into the semester, we broke up and it was like not on good terms either. Like it was. Well, I can't imagine you know, like she, she moved away, you moved away, but then you came back. You yeah. Know. Well, I, when you think about it, that's just such an unrealistic scenario. Like we were just talking about how like the, your first semester, your first semester, your first year of college is like life changing enough in itself. Like for her to be going out there, she was also a runner and she was really good. Like she was going out there, like to, it was like a, a really solid division. Yeah, she ran school. all the way to Colorado Springs. Yeah, exactly. And I tried to chase her. I went, I did go out there to visit one time and it was literally three days. After, I was there for like a whole week. And then three days after I got back, we broke up, <laughs> you know, me living at home with online classes, all of my other friends were on their own respective campuses. And with like the closest college campus was like an hour and a half away two weeks before we broke up. So a week before I went to visit her, I totaled my car. So, and so like this, oh, so many terrible things happening. Oh, and the week after we broke up, my dog died. So literally just like September, 2016 was just the worst month ever. They, they say that bad things come in threes. So that is three. Like lost the car, lost the dog, lost the girl. Huh, I, I hadn't really I'm really sorry to hear that, man. Oh no. Like it's well, literally dog, blossomed. But... Like the, the reason that like, everything that happened like led to what's happening now because like I just went to a super depressive state for like, I mean, it was really bad for probably like four to five months, but I'd say like it like kind of drug on for like two or three years. Right. So that and, first and you were still at home at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, so, yeah, social media for track. Yep. Uh, that was also like the same time that they named me like the, cause before we had like a social media team, like, I ran the Facebook, another guy did the Twitter, another guy did the Instagram. But then like right after all of that crazy stuff happened, they disbanded the whole team and left everything up to me. 
So like they, they, yeah, which that came with a whole lot of new responsibilities and a whole lot more money, which Um, which is good. And you know, it's good in its own way because it probably, it forced you to sort of buckle down and take the job even more seriously mm -hmm. and learn a little bit more, right. Instead of just leading the team, which is still a lot of responsibility, but now, you know, it, it, it was also, it also presented itself as a distraction for you in your life where hopefully this was good. Yeah. And well, another thing that sucked about it is that like, I wasn't just dealing with Indiana stuff anymore. I was like covering the whole country and my girlfriend was really good. So like there would be some times where she would like, like she got like seventh at the national championships her freshman year, just like six months after we broke up. And I'm just like, totally not cool about it. Yeah. That was just an awful time. But Leading up to a little to that, typo I, in there or something or change. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't really have to deal with it too much, but it was still like in my face. Like I had to check the results. I had to just be like, wow, she's doing great without me. I forgot that I didn't only run the Facebook. I also managed our Snapchat account. So I kind of created a Snapchat account for the brand. And like every Monday I would stand in front of a, of a blank canvas and I would just break down like the big performances that happened across the country over the weeks. Right. For that to be on like a Snapchat account, that wasn't something that any of our competitors were doing. And it was super popular. There were like 5,000 athletes like viewing it every week, which isn't like a, a ton, like in the grand scheme of things. But like for a 19-year-old kid to have like a following of like 5,000 people who like, I would go to whatever meet that the company would send me to. And there would be a ton of kids that would like come up to me and like recognize me. They would like want to take pictures. And like at first it was all cool, but then it, it got to a point where it like really like got to my head. And uh, I kind of grew like a bit of an ego and I was never really too public with that ego, but like, like I, said, I, I knew it was one there. extra friend in high school that would have pushed you over the edge to become popular. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, 5,000 <laughs> fans. And well, it right after we, um, right after me and the girl broke up, this was one of the horrible things about my life being broadcasted to like the whole track community across the country was that like, I went to the NCAA Division One National Championships for cross country, and I was walking through the parking lot after the meet was over. I got all my photos, got all my interviews, and I'm walking back to my car. This person just yells, Parker, and I turned around, and I just like waved, and I was like, I, this was just like a month and a half after the breakup, so I'm still super raw about it. Like, yeah. And this was also like one of the few opportunities that I got to see like all of my friends and like all of these like supporters because it was a big national meet. So like everyone from across the country was coming to watch it. So I got to see a lot of these people in person for the first or second time or the first time in a while. And this is like the first time I actually got to talk to people about like what's been going on. So just, just catching up with people. And then this person, this random person, I have no idea how they knew this, but they yelled, uh, they, they yelled my girlfriend's name. Um, I'm trying to think of a fake name so I don't have to call her out, but, uh, they, they said her name and they were like, blank blank cheated on you like and i that was such a betty yeah they all yeah it was betty betty watson like (laughs) they 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 they're like betty watson cheated on you just screamed it at me from across the parking lot i was like whoa this is officially gone way too far first of all how do they even know that second because i got like people had known like on social media that we broke up but it wasn't something that like i broadcasted all the details and yeah. she and I was cheated on, but I didn't think any random track fan knew that. And that was when I kind of started that, that, like that track community is really tight. They really are, and like it's such a like it's a big community, but it's also so small. Like in comparison to like like a big musicians fan base or something like that, or like ESPN's fan base. 
So like, it was a lot of people, but it was also like a lot of close people that really knew each other. And that was when I started kind of like backing away from the track stuff and started going more toward music because that was what I gravitated toward like when I was upset. And you know, I'm sitting here and you could see me like smiling as you're telling me this story. And I'm not like, I'm not laughing at your grief in no way. I just, you know, I resonate a lot with it because, you know, I actually, I ended up moving my whole life for, for a girl. You know, I, I was taking a chance. I was dating it's, a girl all throughout college. And, and that's what eventually brought me to New York City. It's you know, horrible I, how many stories start with that, start with someone chasing someone else. Right. You know, like <laughs> we were together for a very long time and then uh, she moved to New York and I got into school for like a graduate program at UCLA Extension. I really wanted to do that program for a multitude of reasons. I could have really kickstarted my career. Instead, you know, the heart wants what the heart wants. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, uh, it was a girl that we had broken up and then I was like, you know what, like, let's give this another shot. And so I took a trip out to New York, not thinking that I'd ever want to move there. I'm a very clean person and uh, <laughs> not a very clean place. And so I went out there and scoped it out and we said, we'll give this a shot. So within a month and a half, I applied to like 500 jobs and Crush Music offered me a job and like, you know, it just sort of like everything happens for a reason, right? Like I ended up there and then I ended up working in different roles in, in New York, but like things that I would have never expected to happen. So mm -hmm. let's, let's jump now. So you were dating this girl, you were still in college, you were still taking classes. Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about the social media and then I want to get right into the music. But when you first got started with social media, like, did you know what you were doing? Like, what were some of the learning curves? No. So, um, <clears throat> The company that I work for, or the company that I run the social media for is called Dystat, D-Y-E-S-T-A-T. Uh, -E and that company is owned by a parent company called Runnerspace. So the Runnerspace social media manager essentially like acted as my boss and like kind of overseed or oversaw everything that I did. And uh, he was kind of just like teaching me the day-to-day -day on how to do things like use TweetDeck or... Um, there's a lot of different programs that do the same thing, but we use a program called Buffer to like schedule all of our uh, content going out. And at first it was just like, cause I was super passionate about it. I was so good at it. Nobody really had to like keep up with me. Uh, like I would just go on the website and I would just go through the news tab, see what was new and I would post it. Um, right. And then it got to a point like all that, all that stuff happened. And I like started getting, I started paying more focus on college because college got really hard and started like going more in on like music and photography. So like we had to develop a structure In all reality, I was like working way more than what I was getting paid for. So we developed a structure for me to kind of like tone it back a bit to where our content creators would send me their content instead of just me going on the website and hunting down content. They would send it to me if they wanted it promoted. I've always felt bad about doing the photography stuff with musicians on the side because it takes time away from like my job. And for the longest time, I wasn't getting paid to do photography. Let's jump to that for a moment. It, like, there's a very big difference between listening to music and then working in music. How did you get your first start working in concert photography? What were your first steps into that? So I, I went to a lot of concerts in high school. I was just, a, I've always been a huge music fan. Like even with the running, like I was always way more passionate about music. And I don't think I've ever really, I don't think I realized that until I started going in on music. So I was always going to concerts. I was a huge fan of this guy named John Bellion. John Bellion is like so big now, but I, I've been listening to him literally for like seven years. So I was a big fan of John Bellion and he had a concert coming up 
in Indianapolis that I didn't even, I don't think I even knew about. One of my friends was working for like his high school newspaper and he got like photo passes to go to the concert and he knew that I was a big fan and he knew that I had a camera to like help me do my, my job. So he like just hooked me up with an extra press credential that he had. Yeah. Um, and it ended up being like a two day concert. Like it wasn't just John belly and it was like, actually, no, it was the first day it was like, Hey, Violet ex ambassadors and Gavin DeGraw. That was okay. the day one. So I took those photos. And then the second day I went and it was, it was Dea, John Bellion, and Panic at the Disco. Just over those two days, just shooting those pictures, I just like, like, this is amazing. Like that, I like walked out of that venue, just like changed forever. I didn't even have like Photoshop or anything. I literally just would take the raw photos and just post them on Facebook. Yeah. And that was all I did with them. I didn't really realize that that was something that I wanted to like actually do for like six more months. That was like December of 2016. It was like a rush and it was sort of like a a one-off for you, right? Yeah, pretty much. How did your friend get, get, get the media access? He was working for like a school newspaper or something that was covering the event. And so that was it. He needed needed a sidekick to help take some photos. I, I think he just had an extra pass and he knew that I was a fan of John Bellion. Like, I'm pretty sure he originally reached out to me and he was just like, on a scale of one to 10, how excited would you be for front row tickets to John Bellion? And Super I was cool. like, uh, 21. Yeah, that, that was how it happened. It was just supposed to be like a one-off thing. And then I walked out. It wasn't really even on my mind. I had like a ton of fun doing it, but it wasn't really something that I was like, I want to do this. So whenever I was like going through all that heartbreak and stuff, I really connected with the chain smokers. It was like kind of what got me through it. And I, I had like always been like a fan of the chain smokers music, but I never really like dove too deep into like them as people, but I noticed that they were substantially like there were another artist that I like was onto early. That's a like that's another thing that like makes me feel like I belong in the music industry. It's like I always like catch smaller artists who end up becoming superstars. So, like, so you, I, you keep an ear to the ground, and yeah, yeah, that's really really important. And and so, how would you describe you do that? What's what's I, advice that you can give to others? I try to keep an open mind when I'm listening to music. It may be an artist that like I've never heard of that has just like a ridiculous name. Like, like I actually, I kind of grew up on rap, uh, which is funny because like, I feel like rap is so different today than it used to be. I got less into rap because there wasn't really anybody that I was a big fan of other than like Eminem and Lil Wayne, like when I was in middle school, XXX Tentacion before he died, like, I wasn't like, I saw his name and I like saw what he looked like. And I was like, this is not the type of music that I would listen to. But then I listened to his music. I was like, Oh, this guy is like actually pretty good. So like, I try to just like keep an open mind and just like, and just like, just listen to the music for like what it is. I feel like I just have like an ear for something. I can hear that and be like, Whoa, like this is like, if if it just like sometimes songs just like strike me. But how would you discover, uh, how would you discover these, these bands or these artists? uh, I used to just listen to a lot of music on, on YouTube and eventually started growing into like me utilizing like Spotify's discover weekly playlists. I would go on new music Friday and I would listen from the very first song all the way to the bottom. I would like just make note of songs that caught my ear and I'd go back and listen to those and look more into that artist. That was, that's how I've caught on to, to so many smaller artists who, who have like not, they haven't all grown into superstars. Like I wouldn't necessarily classify like chelsea cutler as a superstar but she's pretty big now you've um, seen them grow is there anything that you've seen in common between any of these artists that you've watched grow that you think yeah they're doing it right the people that catch my eye and the people that end up like growing are the people who stay like authentic and themselves 
like I haven't really noticed like a lot of differences in like the personality and the content that a lot of these people are putting out since they started now that they're bigger. I think that's really one of like the more successful people or the people who are authentic and that are doing it for the right reasons the people that recognize the hustle. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not, not getting, not getting their head too big from having Mm -hmm. 5,000 Snapchat followers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, some people, like I have noticed some people have like, have taken like their newfound fame, like the wrong way. And like, they think they're way more popular than they really are. Or like they try to go over the top with some things. Right. But the people who, yeah, it is a lot of pressure because you you have to entertain people. It's like, what if I'm not good enough? Like, what if, what if these people aren't impressed by who I really am? But those are the people that like, that, create those like diehard fan bases because they're like a more relatable person. That's something, not only the music, but like that personality and that brand that other people can relate with, which actually that statement kind of ties into what I was saying earlier before we got on this subject. Whenever I was like going through all that heartbreak, I was, like I said, I'd been a fan of the Chainsmokers music for a couple of years, but I started to dive more into like them. Like I was following them on Instagram and I think it was like, right. Not so much their music. Yeah, yeah. So I started, and they had this YouTube series. It was called That Time. They had a videographer uh, named Roy Kramer that followed them everywhere on tour, and he would always just put out these little episodes. And like, whenever I'd be feeling like depressed or like anxious at night, I'd go on YouTube, and there's just a ton of these videos from over the years that I could just go over, and I just watched them from the beginning. And I feel like I just like watched their career, and I watched them as people. It was watching those videos that made me realize like I need to. I need to do something like this for a living. This seems like the right, it coolest thing happy. ever. It was, yeah. you said it made you, when you, whenever you'd feel anxious or, or nervous or something or restless, you, you needed mm-hmm. something that's going to calm you down. And, and, you know, it's important to have something positive that you're mm-hmm. able to do. Whereas, you know, I think a lot of people would turn to like drugs or, or alcohol yeah. or, you know, something bad where, you know, you, you took something positive and then you're like, you know, this is critical to your life. And this is something that, existentially is something that you want to do once you watch so many of them and the videos are good enough to like show you like the balance of like these people as artists versus these people as people that like helps you like connect with the content and like who's in it more like I felt like I knew those people and that's what I like I was like I need to be a part of something like this like this is everybody's I'm sure dying to know how did you end up working with the chain smokers from being some kid from farmlands <laughs> yeah. um classes managing yeah. social media how did you do it so i i pretty much became like a huge chain smokers fanboy <laughs> like so the second show that i ever shot the the chain smokers were headlining it was a festival in indianapolis somehow i found uh their email address online like i think it was in one of those videos where they made like whenever they were smaller didn't realize that it would like come back to haunt them like if they yeah. put out their personal email address like i emailed Alex, I said something like, you guys have a show coming up in Indianapolis. I'm pretty sure I was just trying to hang out with them to see if it would work. And um, it didn't, but I did end up finessing like a photo pass. Like I I, I submitted an application and I just made like a quick free website with the photos that I took from that one concert. Under the, uh, the application, I put down a website that I wasn't actually working for. So I told them I was working for someone that I wasn't. Right. And they accepted it. They didn't do any background checks. They just took it. Cause it was the first year that they ever put on this festival. So like the team was super on unor- and they've never done it since. Like they just had this festival one year. Yeah. It was super like small and it was just a mess. 
especially since they let a kid who they like the fact that I got in there to shoot was just ridiculous. Yeah, but, but you know, like, not like, like it's not out. like you didn't have any credibility, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you still had those photos that you shot, which is more important than if you worked somewhere or not. Mm-hmm. Right? I think these people really just wanted like as many photos, like as much publicity as they could get from this concert in the first yeah. place. Cause it was the first year they'd done it. And they wanted it to be and like your big. photos were decent. They're like, okay, like he, he decent is a good word to to use to describe those first photos I took. And uh, so I so I took the photos at that show, and I ended up like sending them to Alex, and he 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 responded and like just told me that like, hey man, these are these are sick. And I was like, cool. And so like that was the first little initial contact we had. And then they they went on a tour, where I can't believe I'm going to say this publicly, but I I spent. $500 on like a meet and greet to drive to Louisville and to hang out with Drew and Alex for like 30 minutes in the, in the green room. Like I just wanted to, to see if these people were how they were, or at least how, like if they matched up to, to how I looked at them. Man, and I love that. Yeah. Uh, that nothing really came out of that either. It was just whenever, like I still had Alex's email and I kind of pestered him every now and then send him like unnecessary, irrelevant emails that I shouldn't have been sending him. Right. But he would always respond and just treat me like a nice person. And just me being like the fanboy that I was, I kind of like went all around the internet. And I, so like growing up, I didn't really have very many friends that were into the same things that I was, or at least to the same extent. Like I said, I have an obsessive personality. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have to go on places like Reddit to, to have like in-depth conversations with other people who enjoyed the same things that I do to that same extent. Yeah. And I ended up coming across the Chainsmokers Reddit page, which at the time was super small. It was unorganized. There weren't very, there was like only a hundred subscribers or something like that. But I also saw that every now and then, like the Chainsmokers would comment from their actual account. I was like, right. huh, like they are seeing this Reddit page and they're like, like they're interacting with these fans, like on this small platform. I was like, surely it was just like a fan, fan made fan run page that I was just like a part of for like, four or five months or something like that. So I ended up reaching out to the, to the only moderator because in the back of my head, I was like, well, surely if someone took this over and made it like big and like cool and like organized, like that would catch, that would catch their attention. Right. Yeah. The whole, the whole purpose was just to get Drew and Alex's attention or like their team. Cause I just wanted to like be a part of that team, like in any way that I could, I just reached out to the guy that ran the page and I was like, Hey, I'm one of the most active people on here. I noticed that like, you're the only moderator. Like I'd love to help out. And he's like, sure. And then that guy ended up just like, he didn't necessarily fall off the face of the earth, but he doesn't use Reddit hardly ever anymore. Like hardly ever anymore. Like I can't remember the last time I even talked to him and I kind of just like took over the page and, um, and And what um, year was this? How long ago was this when, when you were doing this? Probably a little over two years now, like early 2018. So they had already, like, they were about to start releasing their, like, second album. They released the first one, which was was called Sick Boy. And then the second one, so they were doing, like, this monthly release strategy. And uh, the second one that was supposed to come out, that came out in February, uh, someone actually, like, leaked the song and, like, posted it on the Reddit page. So I I took it down because it felt inappropriate to, to ruin an artist's, like, release plan or to allow leaks on a, on a page like that when I'm trying to get there, like when I'm trying to win favor from them. Then when that song got leaked, I ended up removing it. And then I was like, you know what? Like this would be a good opportunity to like get my name in front of the guys again. 
so I emailed them. I was like, Hey, and I included the link that the people posted. I was like, Hey, someone ended up leaking this Friday's song. Like, I just wanted to let you guys know so you could take care of it. Do whatever you want with this information. Probably. Yeah. I, I was like, I was like, luckily, like I'm one of the moderators on the subreddit. So I took it down pretty quick. So not very many people saw it. And then Alex was like, wow, dude, like, that's so nice of you. That was like, from that point on, so they're like, okay, this guy is like the guy that runs our subreddit page. Right. He came out for photos. He drove and paid 500 bucks for a meet and greet. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure if they knew all of that no, though, of like at the didn't. same time. Um, like, I'm not sure if they recognized my email address because up until that point, I was just some random kid that was emailing them every but couple months. they just kind of see Parker, Parker, Parker. Yeah, Norton. yeah. Yeah, I just kind of, like, after that, it kind of just give, gave me, like, open access to hit him up about anything that seemed appropriate. I'm yeah. sure, like, 60% of the stuff I emailed him about was irrelevant. Just me trying to, like, talk to him. Just be like, hey, remember me? Would you <laughs> um, everything or no? Al like, almost every single time. Alex would reply like there were some really stupid things that I sent him that were irrelevant that he didn't reply to which like I don't even go and look like there's no way I could go back and look at those emails because they would just be like filled with cringe and like for the first like year and a half of knowing these guys as well like all my emails were always so long because like I'm just an in-depth in thinker and I want to get my point across so like right. I just include and you, you want to make sure that you're, that you're thorough and your passion's shining Ex you're like exactly I, I am <laughs> dude that's exactly like it was just I tried so hard two months after that leaked song happened they had another show coming up in Indiana. It was like a week after my 21st birthday. Uh, so I emailed Alex. I was like, yo, like you guys are coming to Indiana. I would love the opportunity to, to meet you guys. I didn't tell them that I was one of the fans that bought the super expensive meet and greet in Louisville. So I was just letting them think that it was our first time meeting. And so I went to the show at Notre Dame. I also, I got a photo pass for that show as well. I can't remember how. But I just emailed, I hunted down the email of the appropriate person and they let me shoot and having photos of the chain smokers helped as well. So Alex was like, yeah, for sure. Like we'll give you guys the appropriate passes and you guys can come back and hang out. So they let me bring a friend. And so we got to the box office to get our passes and they only gave us tickets. They gave us the wrong thing. Like we didn't have the passes to go backstage that we needed. Yeah. So I emailed Alex and I was like, yo, like we're at the, like we got to the box office. We picked up our stuff and we've only got tickets. Like I was like, is there anywhere else? Like, is there somewhere else I should be picking this up? And, you know, this is right, this is not right before a show, but a few hours before a show. So like, he's got other things on his mind and he responded pretty quickly. And I don't think, I don't think he understood like what I originally said. Um, so he's, he's like, yeah, man, just get him at the box office. Then I was like, just went to the box office and they weren't there. So then it was cool. Like I shot photos at the show. It was my first show with like my new camera, like this real nice camera. I was going to ask you, like, what, what, what camera did you use at the beginning versus now? I shot like the first few shows with a Rebel T5, uh, which is a pretty like basic, like beginner's camera. I ended up upgrading to a Canon 6D. It's somewhere in this room, which is what I use now is what I've been using for the last couple of years. Like it is good for like what I need it to do. Yeah. But I, I think that what is definitely prohibiting my photos from being like, next level is like getting professional equipment if you were to break it into three like beginner's camera like intermediate camera and like professional camera i'd say i'm like somewhere like in the middle and, it, and it, a lot of it is like the lenses too like if i had like more professional grade lenses but you know I've, up until a few months ago i was a college kid so i couldn't really afford to pay for photography equipment too much so i just had to make do with what i did 
Um, but yeah, at that show, it was my first time using the 60. I was super hyped that I got to take photos anyway. The photos were like way better than anything I'd ever done before. Didn't get to meet the guys. Uh, so I sent Alex like the photos afterward and he was like, dude, these are sick. Like, why didn't you come backstage, man? We gave you all access. And I was like, no, you didn't. I was like, I told you we only had tickets. And he's like, oh, I'm going to kill my tour manager. And then I looked at their schedule and just like a month and a half later, they were going to Cincinnati, which is only like a two and a half hour drive. Okay. Um, which was about the same amount of distance that I drove to the other show in Indiana. So right. I was like, no worries. Like you guys are headlining this festival in Cincinnati next month. Do you think that we could like meet there? He's like, yeah, I, I totally owe you one for that. So I went there, they gave me an artist pass so I could shoot photos as well. And I finally, like finally everything worked out. Like I went backstage and I got to bring like two friends as well. Like my, my two like best friends, like that, like listened to the chain smokers with me and like that were as pumped about them as I was. So I got to bring them, which was super cool. That, that is still to this day is like my favorite thing is being able to bring friends to the shows and like bring them backstage so they can like kind of see what it's all like, like what I do. So I finally got to hang out with the guys, talk to them a little bit, shoot the show, which was fun. And then from then on, like, it just kind of like stuck. Now they had like a name, uh, like a, a name and a face to attach to these emails that they're getting. Right. And it was you were just, doing all this pro bono work for them. Yeah. Well, they weren't using any of my photos, but they were still letting me come and like giving me all the access that I needed right. to take photos. Cause you were hustling. And, and I think that, you know, it sounds like Alex admired your hustle a little bit, right? Like he, he you were on his radar. You're, you're managing the Reddit. You're taking mm -hmm. these photos. You're going to the meet and greets. You know, you're, you're, you're not only taking the photos, you're actually sending them afterwards. Like, you know how many, photographers i've worked with over the years that like you know you have to hunt them down to try and get photos that's crazy to me like why would you take photos if you don't want the people to use them from that point i just kind of like would send them emails every now and then just to like say hey like i would take every opportunity i could to to send alex an email um and like i said i did too much sometimes so oh, I think the next time I saw them was like six months later, they came back to Indianapolis for like a big stadium radio show where everything worked out again. I didn't get to shoot, but I still got to like go to the show, bring more friends. Like this time, I think I brought like four or five friends and brought them backstage, including my sister. And they were cool with that. Like, like, did you ask for like all of those tickets or they were just at first I, uh, like I was super hesitant about that. Like I didn't want to be that guy that was just bringing all of his friends backstage. So like, like the first show that got messed up, I was only going to bring one friend. But then whenever they were making up for it, the second show, I was like, okay, at this time I'll ask if I can bring two. Then they bring two. And the next time they, I asked if I could bring four, then they bring four. And um, then I went to Vegas. So they have a residency at the Wynn uh, right. in Vegas. And uh, they, they ended up letting me come to Vegas. Like I paid for the plane tickets. Like me and my friends went for a weekend. They had a show on Friday and Sunday. And on days that they were performing, they could put their friends up in hotel rooms at the oh, win. Nice. So we got to stay there on Friday and Sunday, courtesy of them. Super sick. Vegas for the first time was insane. And it was like, I still wasn't quite used to like being around the guys. So I was still kind of like nervous and like felt like out of place, especially like in their penthouse at the win in Vegas. Like I felt like I did not belong. And I was also like drunk, which made me nervous. I didn't want to like act out and do something embarrassing. And, and how big was their crew? Like, were you one of 10 people or was it like- I was one of like 40. Like they had so many people, especially at the after party, like when they just let a bunch more people come up. Well, and, and you were able to bring your friends too, right? Yeah, yeah, I brought two friends. The first night we were there, Usher was actually there. Yeah, he was at the after party with us. So that, that was one of the cooler things that my friends could come up and be like, oh my gosh, like that's Usher. They go up to I Usher and say, hey? I stopped them because they were really drunk and Usher kind of seemed like, 
he didn't seem like he didn't want to be there, but he seemed kind of like a private guy. He was hanging with like his people and just like having like a, a small conversation. And my right. friend's like, I'm going to go say what's up to that man, Usher. And I grabbed him like, no, bro, like don't do that right now. <laughs> yeah. So like, it just like the more, the more I got like familiar with them, it took a long time for me to be comfortable around them. Actually, it was probably like the sixth or seventh time they had me out to a show where I was finally like cool. I went to Lollapalooza uh, where they, they headlined the first night. Um, or maybe it was the second night. I can't remember. And I, I went there, which was actually kind of a pain to get me backstage because like I hit Alex up a little late cause they did this whole tour in Europe and I didn't want to hit him up about getting guest lists at Lala while they were in Europe because you know, they've got other things to do. They got to get out of the way before Lala. So like the day after they got back, I sent Alex an email and I was like, yo, like, would it be cool? Like, it's just me. I'm not bringing any friends. And he's like, yeah, it might be too late, but let me see. And then we ended up getting it worked out. But I had just like, an artist guest pass, um, which got me backstage, but to get to where their crew was, which was like their area, you need like a green chain smokers wristband, which right. I didn't have. Um, and at, at this point I was like cool with like multiple people of their team. Like it wasn't right. just, like, you know, Alex, people do you. yeah, just from like seeing me around or just like reaching out to them. Cause like you once I was text their TM or something, to- I texted one of their managers, um, okay. Uh, cause I got close with him, which is a whole other story in itself. Um, cause like part of taking over the Reddit page was to like get them and their team's attention. And right, then like, right. once it came up, like once I was a year away from graduating, I ended up reaching out to their manager like, Hey, like I'm about to graduate. Like this is what I've done. This is what I can do. Like there's any way I can work for you guys after this, like it'd be a dream. And he ended up redirecting me to their other manager and him and I just like grew a relationship since then. This was like, about seven months him and I had met only like once or twice. And so I was texting him. I was like, yo, like I need this wristband. And I was noticing like other people that I recognized and that I had talked to like coming in and out of the area. I was like, yo, you like, you don't know anyone who has like an extra green wristband. Do you They're like, ah, like text Ennis. And I was like, I am texting Ennis. And yeah. uh, then I did see him. And he's like, yeah, hold up. I got to go in and get you one. My buddy, Christian French, who's another artist on the same label. He walks up. He was actually the first artist that I ever worked with me. And like, my first show that I actually did for an artist was with Christian French in the backyard of a frat house. And now he's like signed to the Chainsmokers label, which is sick. Which is Uh, total coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. Like we totally went like our own separate way. Not necessarily our own separate ways, but like we've worked with each other like a few times over the years. Uh, But like he didn't suggest me to their team. I didn't suggest him to their team. Like but it's your ear, you know? You, yeah. You we just ended up we, guess, sort yeah. of in the same vein, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. We ended up just being in the same group of people, which was crazy. But him and his manager came up and someone brought them out green wristbands immediately. I was like, one of the chain smokers themselves put me on this list. Like, how is it so hard for me to get this green wristband? Um, they ended up, bringing me one but i was borrowing it from like this girl with small wrists had to slip hers off so they like brought it out to me and then i had to give it back and then security tried kicking me out when i was back there because i didn't have the wristband so like i had to i had to walk up to alex and have them personally tell them that i was cool to be there yeah which was embarrassing but embarrassing um, it's a cool story yeah yeah and and then after the show i kind of like i just walked back with the rest of their team like immediately like i was waiting where I knew they were going to walk off the stage. Cause I knew if I walked back there with them, security wasn't going to stop me without a wristband. So I kind of just like finessed my way in there. And then, uh, I stayed for maybe like an hour just talking to everyone. And then as I, I was like leaving, I was saying my goodbyes. I'm a person who likes to say goodbye. Like if I know I'm not going to see someone for a while, I have to like go up to them and be like, Hey, like I'm leaving. Like it was good to see you. So I went up to, to Drew and we were just like 
just saying goodbye real quick. And he's like, when's the next time we're going to see you guys? And I was like, um, I have no idea. They were about to go on, like, on tour in a month and a half. I was like, there's a few shows on your guys' tour that I'm probably going to come to. And he goes, oh, well, let me know before you come. If there's a few shows in a row that are close to you, uh, you can come on the bus with us. And I was like, what? <laughs> that, I was like, bet bet i'm not gonna forget that you said that so like a month and a half later in cincinnati on the first night of their of their tour i was like yo do you remember what you what you said uh to me at lala he was like we're gonna bring you somewhere i was like yeah like you talked about like bringing me on the bus to go to a few tour shows he was like okay yeah just like we can probably make that happen just tell me which dates you want to go i just gotta like i just gotta make sure it doesn't like line up with the dates that i'm bringing my friends and I was like, all right, cool. I was like, I actually, I already know like what shows I want to go to. Like literally as I was leaving Lala, like after Drew was like, yeah, maybe we can bring you on the bus. I was like you're, on you're my like, phone. Look at, um, yeah, yeah. Looking at their schedule. I was like, all right, when's the indie show? So it was, it worked out perfectly. They had four shows in four days. And the second one of those four was in Indianapolis, which is in the stadiums, like 30 minutes from my house. Right, so right. Uh, I was like, I can do indie St. Louis and Madison in those three days. And he was like, all right bet like those like we don't i have a free bunk and i was like all right cool <laughs> he was just like just make sure you like text me two weeks in advance so i can like confirm it and i was like of course yeah and uh so yeah that all happened and which was like it was just insane for my mom to just like my mom drove me to the stadium and just like dropped me off with their uh with their tour photographer which and then you have to pay, you have to pay for your flight home yeah, yeah, I just yeah, I just got a flight home from good. from Milwaukee on the yeah, it was I was totally cool with that. Like, are you kidding me? Uh, it, which was it was I thought I was gonna have to just like buy. So it was like Indy on Thursday, St. Louis on Friday, and then Madison on Saturday, and then okay. uh, I was just gonna get a hotel in Madison and just fly out the next day. But um, they had like a couple days off, so the bus was driving to Milwaukee. Uh, which was where, where they had their next show. So I just stayed the night on the bus on Saturday night. And then I just flew home from Milwaukee. I just got an Uber. Like I woke up on the bus and I was the only one on there. Cause uh, after the Madison show, they had a show in Vegas, like that same night and they could right. only take a select amount of people. And they didn't have room for me to go to Vegas with them on the plane. There were only three of us on the bus. It was just me, Matt, the drummer and his girlfriend, Amy. And the buses would just like, they just drove to whatever hotel they were staying at in Milwaukee so I think Matt and Amy ended up just like staying up all night and just got off the bus and, and just got to the hotel room in Milwaukee because it was only like a couple hours of a drive. But I stayed up for a little bit, like edited some photos and then I went to bed and I woke up and literally the bus was just empty, which was just weird. It was the weirdest thing. I was like, just looking around. I, and the thing is I wasn't 100% sure that it was empty either because like some of the bunks had like the, the sheets rolled like, or the, the curtains rolled all the way through. So like, right, right. And I wasn't going to just like peek through to see if someone was there if they weren't. And that's actually where I, I stole this hat off the tour bus. Um, <laughs> because I woke up, I wasn't able to take a shower. I had to fly home and my hair was just, I would just look like a gross person. I didn't really wear two hat wear hats too much until I got this one. I just kind of just took it. It was in my bunk. So I just took it. I was like, maybe this is a gift. Like maybe someone left this here for me and it's, it's the hat for like the tequila company that they're partnered with. So like, it doesn't really matter if they lose one, they can get however many they want. Yeah. So I didn't really feel too worried about it. So I just kind of took it and flew home and that was just the most crazy unforgettable weekend, like ever. Like that was the, the thing that like got me started with like wanting to go on tour was like, 
wanting to be a part of the chain smokers team. And like my first touring experience was with the chain smoke. It was just like, a, a, it's a thing that like I can barely wrap my head around. Cause that's just like, it doesn't even sound real. Like that sounds like a story that you like read. And, right. and, and, and now you, you know, you've, you've made your own path, you know? Yeah. And having that relationship with them just brings me so much more like credibility. Like there's so many people that like, like there's so many opportunities I wouldn't have been able to get if I couldn't say like, yeah, I did a tour run with the chain smokers. Even if I don't mention that it's three days, like I still did a tour run with the chain smokers, which is much more than just about anybody else in my position can say. And like, there's other artists, like I, I wanted to get into management. I still do want to get into management, but I think I want to like save that for like What's down the a line. Bit more experience. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to kind of use photography like over the next, however many years to just like, get a more like developed understanding of like how everything works and like build better relationships. Just to kind of wrap things up, I, I'm curious to know like what's next for Parker. Yeah. What's next? That's a great question right now. Um, that's kind of like, I was supposed to be in New York. Like I said, I was supposed to be in New York for the whole month and the, the, the whole purpose of like going to New York was going to be just to like network and like go to as many events as I could with as many people and just like, extend my network and like try to land like a full-time job because my dream since like second grade has been to live in new york literally like that's the oldest dream i can remember that like still holds true like whenever i go to brooklyn like i walk in the streets and like it feels like home like there's just like an energy there that like feels right to me and um that's that's been the biggest goal for the last like couple years has been to find something full-time that i can that can get me out to new york and i would i'd love to be in a position to just be like going from tour to tour like taking photos but that's something that is going to pick up once it like it's going to pick up faster like once it starts up again because like right now nobody's touring yeah and the only tour experience i have is those three days with the chain smokers so like landing that first tour that i'm supposed to be on would have been huge um because that because you know you go on your first tour you meet all kinds of people there are going to be three different artists on this tour and just like hanging out with them and their respective teams for a whole month, you know, could just lead into kind of uh, any yeah. other kind of opportunities or like people hear about it, even not even just from that, like just having that on my resume, like, yeah, I went on this tour and that's how like it just keeps going. But having only three days of tour experience, it's, it's weird. Cause like on one hand, I only got three days of tour experience, but on the other hand, it's with one of the biggest names in music. Right. So like, it's kind of like it kind of meets in the middle. It, it, it's it's not the quantity it's the quality right you, you yeah. uh it, it's not so much that you went on tour for three days it's it's more the hustle and grind that brought you to that point mm-hmm. I think that's what's really going to take you farther and nobody can take that away from you so that's the interview just wanted to say thanks so much for tuning in and listening to this episode if we mentioned something you liked that stood out to you or if you just learned something new we want to hear about it please leave us a review on apple or any of our other socials Take care, stay safe, and have a wonderful day.